and boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. And welcome to episode 83 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? I'm Paul Sebastian, and this is The Cube. <laughs> wasn't that... There was a movie called The Cube, wasn't there? Was, it, okay, so... Well, there was up, Gleaming The Cube. That was a skateboarding well, There was Gleaming movie. The Cube, and then there, there is a series of, like, sort of horror type like uh, uh um like body horror series called cube no the right. simply cube okay so it's cube there's like cube there's like a few of them then there's cube zero which is like a cube prequel right. um but no the cube is a a new well there was a uk-based game show now there's an american version hosted by one Dwayne wade yes and uh, they played it after dynamite last night so i did watch the cube um and the cube is literally it's a big glass cube and Dwayne Wade's there, and then he gets like couples, and they play little like uh, uh, little memory games and like little little games in the cube. And the cube has like a smart ass robot voice, and, and he makes like little sarcastic <laughs> remarks and like little uh, uh, like epic robot guy voice. Uh, it's bad, but I will say this: Dwayne Wade seems like a pretty natural game show host. He's very charismatic, and I think if they found him a good property to host, he'd be very good in this medium. Maybe he can take over uh, Joker's Wild if uh, if Snoop is is no longer available. Yeah, Snoop got reason. the Go Big Show with Cody, and Dwayne Wade gets the Cube. There you go. Yeah. I wonder if they thought if they tossed around Cody getting the Cube, and Dwayne Wade beat him out for it. They're all in the same. <laughs> oh my all God. In the same umbrella now. Think about that. Oh jeez, Cody Rhodes I, as a game show host. I don't know. I think Cody could probably pull. I mean, it he out. dresses like one a lot of times. True. But, you know. I think he's got. I think he's got the energy to host the right game show. I think there's probably the right medium. Also, quick congratulations to the Runnels family on the birth of their daughter, one Liberty Iris Runnels. Uh, I was. I, you know what? I didn't realize that they had their baby because I was, of course, going to congratulate the Good family, uh, also, Jonathan Good and, and Renee not, Paquette. We're not saying the other family's bad. Their last name is literally Good. Good. Uh, uh, just, <laughs> on the uh the birth of nora so, it's so uh, nice that uh uh mox and cody's uh daughters were born on the same like week basically like uh congratulations to all of the uh wrestlers who had kids yes indeed uh liberty I liberty iris runnels that's the yes. name i just want so, to uh, reiterate that's the so name the, the, so of course this is moxley's second child because uh, you know he, we we all know yes. his first child uh, yes. Shota, Shota child Umino. His first child through adoption and or abduction, <laughs> uh, however you want to. Yes. 
kind of uh, uh, you know square that circle. <laughs> so uh, yeah, at least on screen we know that 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 shooter has a uh, has a baby sister now. So. Uh... And well, next I, week, the babies are going in the cube. <laughs> you know what? I, I still, to this to this day, I just the, the juxtaposition of that pick that was released uh, of Shooter, where he is wearing the 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 white and pink Tanahashi looking tights, but also holding a Death Riders jacket. You know, yeah, very <laughs> just... cool. Shooter is extremely cool, and he's got a really bright future. Excited to see him when he's finished with Excursion and starts settling in in New Japan and uh, seeing what he becomes. Uh, there's like, there's a world where he has like an Okada or Ibushi like trajectory. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, I, we, I've talked about this before, where he, he, because of who his father is, he, he gets some opportunities that like other young lions didn't like, like, like Shota was getting, you know, solo matches against like Daisuke Sakimoto. Yeah, and, and way before anybody else was, but at the same time... is not great, but the kid is making the most of his opportunities. Like, he's not, you know, I think in stark contrast to somebody who I was talking about earlier who uh, is fighting tonight, one Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who's boxing Anderson Silva tonight. Uh, wait, 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 who, boxing Anderson Silva? <laughs> yes, Anderson Silva stepping into a boxing ring for the first time since 2005. Wow. Um, Against, you know, a guy who got a lot of opportunities from who his dad was, one Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., <laughs> a guy who didn't always make the most of him and did miss weight for this fight tonight. So, Ooh. Um, yeah, that's your that's our Julio. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, Shota did get some shots that others did not. Uh, other young lines did not. But again, yeah, he, he really did make the most of it. And just the idea that Moxley abducted him like change his entire change his entire life and career and and for the best too john moxley is really truly like a wandering saint of wrestling like he's (laughs) he you know escaped his his wwe prison and you know he made the incredible entrance at double or nothing you know bringing aew into the mainstream uh he's got this incredible thing going on with nick gage that you know at some point is going to be revisited and is you know massive in the independent scene uh he had his turn in japan uh is you know still currently the iwgp us champion uh you know he's mentoring he's doing so much for wrestling in so many different facets uh you know he's going to be a guy who history is going to look upon very fondly uh speaking of um the independence and 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 things like that um i did see the announcement from black label pro of the shows in hoffman estates uh, at least yes. two, or at least two shows in hoffman estates there may be more Teaming back up with GCW for Three Cups Stuffed, the sequel to Two Cups Stuffed, which uh, you and I both attended. We did. We just didn't realize that we were both there. We just weren't chilling back in that time. But fun show, and I expect this one to be really great again. That venue is really fun for that type of show. BLP and GCW are very good at, like, taking what they do and blending them kind of together. And I think it made for a really interesting event. Hopefully no Jerry Lawler this time, but... Uh, oh, yeah. God. yeah, that was, like, 20 minutes of my life. I'll or, never uh, get back. Remember the guy in the... Also, guy in Benoit Club t-shirt? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. There's a guy in the front wearing the well, Benoit Club Well, you know what? I'll, shirt. I, I only kind of saw him from distance because... Uh, and this is going to come into play why I, I really maybe have no problem going to these particular shows is because... Um, the way that that venue was laid out, there was like a very wide space in the back where you could just stand. And yes. I hung out with Cubs fan there the whole time. 
because we were and, bullshitting the whole time. But now it's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just hang out back there and I will be wearing my mask while I do it. You know, eventually that space turned into a place where Nick Gage and Effie spilled a lot of blood all over each other. Yeah, I wasn't there for that. I, I left I, before I them was, because I it was awesome. <laughs> It was so good. Deathmatch Effie is really like something to behold. It makes it a lot more jarring because he does deathmatches in regular wrestling gear. Right. Which you don't see a whole lot. You know, a lot of guys are wearing like, you know, they wear T-shirts. They wear heavier stuff, either like uh, like Nick Gage with his camo cargo shorts. or they wear like the big heavy shorts or like painter pants, stuff like that. One, because like the white pants and stuff accentuate the blood. But two, because it protects you from from glass damage. Effie just, you know, wearing the fishnets and the, and the trunks and who man, it, it, it's a jarring look, uh, well, especially you know, when you're going late glass. Well, you know, if you watch all Big Japan footage, you'll see Tomaki Hanma wearing his yellow panties doing death matches. So you know, you know, way back when, way back in the before times. But yeah, so yeah, I, I am looking out for that. I am probably going to be. I mean, it only is in the town I live in, so you know, <laughs> I, I, I probably should attend at, at some level. Um, yeah. Did you see Elevation or Dark this week? Uh, there was a couple of matches I keyed on that I made sure I checked out. Um, there was a match with the Acclaimed that I wanted to get into. There was, um, ah, shoot, i got to refresh my memory now. <laughs> but, yes, I did. You know, I've talked about, like, Dark and Dark Elevation since there's so much in. Like, sometimes you just have to look out for matches you want to see and just kind of key on those. Yeah, it was uh, – Cole Cabana and Allen Five Angels against the Acclaimed, uh, Dante Martin and Sonny Kiss, and uh, the Willow Nightingale's High Conti match, which I didn't get a chance to check out yet, but I still will. Um, but yeah, the uh, the Acclaimed had a, had a fun little segment and uh, an opening rap that was kind of fun, where he uh, told Colt his new podcast sucks. Yeah, just kind of. Oh, oh, and by the way, yeah. By the way, yeah. yeah. Max Caster uh, continues to be a uh, rising star and a guy who's going to be a big deal. Uh, Tony Khan talked about them uh, a bit at length on a, uh, a podcast interview he did recently. Uh, he talked about how he brought Bowens and Caster together uh, under the AEW umbrella, brought them together as a tag team, and how well it's worked since then. And Anthony Bowens was just on, I think, Busted Open talking about their tag team stuff. Those guys, uh, big future in AEW. And with that, we go pre-taped to Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida for episode 83 of AEW Dynamite. Your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur, joined by Taz for this first match, from which we are joined by somebody. Paul, take it away. We have a special guest of, you know, our opening match uh, blends professional wrestling and mixed martial arts. Uh, so I had to bring in an expert, uh, my great friend from the Fake Fight Real Fight podcast. Uh, more to come from there. From the Bookie's Basement, Reverse Mush, twitch.tv slash the Bookie's Basement. You know him. You love him. It's Harry Mack. Harry, what's up? Thank you for having me, boys. What an intro. What an intro. You hey, absolute uh, oh, you know well, we're bringing well, out the big guns for you, buddy. We haven't podcasted together in a while, and I'm so excited to have you here, dude. Yeah, well, real, welcome man. to the show, Harry. Too long. Thank you, thank you. Glad Mind to you. be here. But yes, this is this this shit show affront against God is absolutely right up my alley. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, so is he aware of the the theme music we're using today? Because <laughs> yeah, for you know, we we uh, we popped our crowd at the beginning of the uh, podcast with some Creed for you. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> we had to, wide open, had to do it right. 
Uh, no, we, we didn't use that one. We used uh, a, a different song, which, you know, for me, uh, every Creed song sounds the fucking same, no matter what. So. <laughs> now that's an affront to God. Listen, listen, that's a, that's a fair comparison, but when you have the voice of an angel like Scott Sapp does, why would you change anything? That's right. Could you imagine, like, an angel coming down to, like, read the Ten Commandments off to Moses, and he just sounds like Scott Stapp? To me, a voice of I an would. angel. To me, the voice of an angel sounds like Andy Bell of Erasure. But you know that that could just be my uh, where, where I'm coming listen, from. Listen. Also, Jesus, there's a very Jesus good chance never that angels... the nation after 9/11. <laughs> Jesus never healed the nation by playing the Cowboys game after 9/11. That's all. That's I'll true. Say. Well, I mean, you know, he could have been sent directly from. Also, I believe there's a good chance that some angels do indeed sound like Taz. <laughs> You know, if you read your Bible, you you'll know that angels actually are some of the worst mother. <laughs> they're yeah. hardcore bastards, actually. It turns out. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And, 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 and ironically, we'll get into some biblical quotes later in the later in the show. But um, Harry, so, before we get in the match, one question for Harry: Would you be happy or disappointed if you got to heaven and the angels sounded like like had a Long Island accents? Oh, man, that would suck. <laughs> would that be like the first indication, like you'd be Kristen Bell, that's the first indication that, that you're actually suck. in the bad place? Yeah, just yeah, just hearing like the, the worst version of myself ratcheted up to like 100. Yep. You think you're in heaven, but then Ted Danson has like an inexplicable, like Ted Danson is talking like Matt Sarah for some reason. You're like, oh, shit, wait. <laughs> Now, uh, Harry, oh, for, for, for someone who um, hasn't really watched MMA since uh, since the glory days of Pride, um, and God, do I miss Pride? Um, what, what, we all. What, I mean, I, 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 let, let's be honest. Th- this wasn't anything close to an actual MMA match, was it? <laughs> No, nope, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> they, 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 they really made no attempt to to make us think that this was not worth. <laughs> No, well, other other than putting a cage outside outside of the ring, they that was about as far as they went. And I and I guess putting gloves on. I, I gotta say though, I think that's probably the right way to do it because in today's like you know modern age, where mixed martial arts and wrestling are two separate entities, two popular entities, we know wrestling's fake. We know mixed martial arts is supposed to not be fake, wink, wink. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you know, we've saw we've seen Jake Hager's quote unquote real fights too, and they weren't a whole lot different than these, <laughs> than this thing, no. than this thing. But no, no I think Hager's that's the way. There's no good. way. There's no way that this wasn't going to look fake as hell. So like leaning into the wrestling aspect of it, I think like was probably the right choice. That being said, I don't know if there's any way that you can successfully do this kind of match anymore, right? Yo, look, we we all saw the debacle that was uh, Floyd Mayweather versus uh, versus uh, Logan Paul. That shit was faker than wrestling. I mean, <laughs> faker than. I mean, wrestling. yeah, it's just it was just Floyd Mayweather sparring with a guy who clearly doesn't know how to box very well. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, that was you want to talk about like literally carrying a fight. There, you guys see that clip of Floyd just knocking him clean out and catching him and just keeping him up till the bell. Yeah, there appeared to be a flash knockout there and uh, uh, Floyd doing tremendous work. And, you know, we've seen Floyd Mayweather in professional wrestling, too, and we know that he is good at fake fighting. So, um, yeah, one of the things Harry and I recorded together, uh, if you want to check out the fake fight, real fight archives, it's still out there. We did an episode on the Mayweather uh, Big Show fight that also tied in with Mayweather McGregor. Another another fake fight, Mayweather McGregor. <laughs> yeah, correct. Did did you? Re- but did yeah, you re- I, 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 I definitely agree with that, Paul. 
I, I do think that like you had to, no matter what, this was not going to look like an MMA fight, you know. So I think you had to kind of lean into the to the wrestling aspect of it. And yes, the result was just something that looked absolutely preposterous. Yeah, but I, mean, well, I guess like, did a good job. Like, like this was not like Wardlow's arena, but he ended up being the guy who came out looking good in it. Uh, I'll say this: it, it reminded me, and others in the uh, in the group chat. I mean, it reminded me of the the the, the MMA fight mode that you get in uh, when you play Fire Pro. You know? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was like video a video game MMA fight, definitely like, like some UFC two or UFC three kind of shit. Yeah, that like exaggerated jab and the ridiculous. I I think like st- trying to simulate a guard pass had to have been the funniest thing that I saw. Oh yeah, round two was especially hilarious. So round one was kind of dedicated to striking. Round two dedicated to ground fighting for the most part. They wanted to kind of get both elements in there. Yeah, the and, match- and, and flying head scissors. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to get. A, there was one flying head scissors. It was cool. Like Wardlow doing a couple wrestling moves. Superman punch. There like, was a power like, bomb yeah. into the cage. Yeah, there was a couple yeah. of shoot power bombs. I saw, like in the first round, there was a shoot power bomb. I thought the the things I will say that were objectively good: um, production value, presentation, set design. I thought all of that was really done well. Camera work, like they did their best from that side of things to emulate like MMA presentation. The commentary, you know, team did their best making it uh, sound like M- MMA commentary. Aubrey Edwards dressed like an MMA referee, which might I say, hello. <laughs> and that's all i'll say there no and aubrey did a great job you know altering some of her like mannerisms to kind of emulate an mma ref too well let's face it aubrey edwards is one of the best uh characters on the show so you yeah know, she's it, great so you know uh so uh I, harry i i'm gonna guess you don't often watch pro wrestling so uh this just was completely ridiculous to you wasn't it <laughs> A little bit, yes. I will say I did not get a chance to watch the whole card. I was working until quite late last night, which is very rude. But, uh, yes, I did I did run this match back this morning. I did not watch a tremendous amount of pro wrestling. So, yeah, I think this looked uh, incredibly ridiculous to my untrained eye. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's see if we can just try to shine a little positive light on it. What about it did, like, did you enjoy or did entertain you? That's fair. I, so, like you said, Paul, I do think they did a good job with, like, the production. I thought it looked good. Like, the set looked good. The cage looked good. Like, I, you know, I feel like it's a cool idea. There's a lot of, like, it's got a lot of potential, but at the same time, I, I just don't know how you, like, execute it properly. And I'm yeah, I think this day and age. Like, as someone who, right, I guess as someone who loves MMA, it's just like, well, why, why would I watch that rather than just, like, watching, a, you know, a random, fight card that's on on a, on a Friday night and fucking, you know, yeah, or, or the other lineup. side, which is something that we get a lot of, you know, in this age of Triller and all these other, you know, things out there doing celebrity boxing, a, a like celebrity boxing match or like an actual like shoot fight, you know, where you get some of these guys uh, to, to do that. I think that's what people would rather see rather than well, like a worked kind well, of deal. Like, you know, it, they'd rather it, see right. Brock Lesnar go in the UFC than Brock Lesnar have a wrestling match with like Kane Velasquez. Right. But I'll tell you why exactly. they did. Like, and I'll tell you why they didn't do that. It was though. funny. Well, I'll tell you why they didn't do that is because uh, it, it's the legacy of the WWF Brawl for All where they did have wrestlers do shoot boxing matches and some people got legit fucked up. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No, it was irreparably it was a, it was a, well, fucked up, you know? Yeah. And 
it's you can't really sanction that or like do that anymore. Like, and I wouldn't say like have you know these guys like shoot fight each other, but like if Wardlow wants to like go have you know a grappling match or like a, a boxing match with somebody on that side, I think people would be more interested in that or. Uh, you know, what the outcome of that would be versus this. It had its moments, but yeah, I don't think, I think we're all kind of in agreement. You can't really do this anymore. And well, right. it's and, not and, something and, that they should do often or, or go back to very, like a lot. Right. Like, and also, I don't want to see Jake Hager do this with anybody else. Right. And also Tony Khan, you know, we know he's a wrestling fan. He knows wrestling history. And we all know what happened when Antonio Inoki was making new Japan guys do actual MMA fights that they were clearly not prepared for. Like it, yeah. it messed up Yuji Nagata for a while. You know, it, yeah. it, it derailed Yuji Nagata for for a, a few years having to do that. And, you know, against Mirko Krokop. You know, yeah. so yeah, you you don't want to do that simply oh, because again, they're not trained for it. You know, absolutely, absolutely, and you know that that again that goes back to probably why it was done this way. And like you know, not for lack of effort from the participants. It's always fuck Jake Hager every day, all day. It's fuck Jake Hager. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, Wardlow came out looking good, and uh, you know Wardlow continues to be a rising star. Uh, he did not win the match. You know Jake Hager needed an even faker win than his current three and zero Bellator record, <laughs> so he gets. So he gets the win. Uh, uh, TKO uh, in in the uh, with 47 seconds left in the second round. Yeah, a, a technical submission. He gets a triangle choke. Uh, Wardlow does the middle finger before he passes out. Uh, there is a scuffle, a kerfuffle, a uh, a, a thing that's again either just as fake or even faker than the stuff after Mayweather or I'm sorry after McGregor or Khabib. Um, I again I ha- I have to point the sign again gentlemen on this uh for 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 one mr anthony shivani uh it's not a good thing to call a jew a rat again still probably still probably not the best (laughs) choice of words when you refer to mjf this is not you know i i did i gave the one i gave the first pass but now it's the second time yeah especially (laughs) especially when he also mentioned exterminators and now i'm like yeah i i got some questions here for you anthony shivani because uh, yeah, not not a good look, buddy. Uh, but hey, I'm glad to see wrestling is uh, is still built on trope as it should be. Oh my goodness gracious <laughs> me! Um, so of course this was all prologue to uh, MJF uh, decking Dean Malenko, the the 60 plus year old uh, Parkinson's disease sufferer. Dean Malenko, which of course you know led to Sammy Guevara trying to make yeah, a, Harry, a save. Def- defend your defend your Long Island neighbor knocking out a 60 year old man. I don't think I will. Is he from, <laughs> is he from Long Island? I thought he was from upstate New York. Oh, no, MJF is very much from Long Island. Is he? Okay, I thought he was from upstate New York. I, I don't know why. Yeah, there's, there's a, I don't, Long Island weirdly produces a, a lot of wrestling talent. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, I don't know what it is about I mean, that. It, it's the legacy of Johnny Rods. That's what it is. Yeah, and I <laughs> yeah think maybe some Chris Jericho, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I Mick guess Foley, it's a, a Mick fairly Foley was on the same area. team as Kevin James in high school, which is funny. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, Ari, thank you so much for stopping by uh, to, to discuss this ridiculousness. <laughs> <laughs> of course, boys. Thanks and uh, go, ahead, go ahead and plug yourself real quick. Oh, why? I, I don't mind if I do, but thank you guys so much for having me. Yes, you can find me on Twitter at BBHarryMac. Uh, you can find all of our content at thebookiesbasement.com. Like Paul said, we're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash bookiesbasement. 
the Reverse Mush Podcast, wherever podcasts are found, and, and I think that about does it. You can catch me at uh, at PFL events, at Bellator events. Hopefully, hopefully I'll be in person covering the PFL playoffs. We got, we got a lot of fun stuff coming down the pipeline. Right Rising on, right on. star of MMA media here to uh, root out the filth and bring truth back, truth and justice, and fighting the fake news. <laughs> That's right. I got yelled at by Ray Steffo uh, last Thursday. So we know you're doing something right. There's a joke here I'm missing, <laughs> right. but okay. <laughs> I mean, which is fine. MMA is not my thing, so you know. I, so now uh... that they had this match, we should probably get you an AEW press pass too. Oh, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Look, look, man, I, I, I actually met Tony Khan. I don't have an AEW press pass. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, as, as you know, All as right. proud well, members so of the WrestleTrain Network, I'm sure we'll have it soon. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, Harry. All right, thanks boys. a lot, Be good. man. Appreciate good talking you. to you, brother. Okay. Harry Matt from the Bookie's Basement, everybody. Wow, that uh, was that was fun. We, we, we need to bring uh, special guest commentators on uh, more often, I think. Yeah, we love having guests. We love the fresh perspective. It's really nice to hear from Harry as, you know, someone who knows MMA and doesn't know wrestling as much. And kind of, you know, being in lockstep of being in the same kind of agreement of what this was. And I think a lot of the fan reaction is probably very similar to what we had to say. Yeah, and I'm glad that uh, he, he, he rolled along with our shtick, you know. <laughs> to, to, Absolutely. You know, so, following this, we get a backstage vignette with uh, Penta El Cerro Miedo back in the Joker here. Although I'm, I'm still saying I, I want Victor Von Cerro Miedo. You know, Victor Von Cerro Miedo is a really good idea. The more I think about uh, it, but with uh, you know, with, we don't need to be so serious about it. With who? With uh, Eddie Kingston and Frankie Gazarian. Frankie Gazarian busting out the biblical verses like he's Jack Van Impey. <laughs> My God, yeah, this new Kazarian character is very kind of fun and interesting. Uh, so you, you know what? Uh, it's not often I'll say that biblical quotes made it for a good promo, but you know what? I, I kind of was into this. Uh, yeah, no, I, I uh, the elite just, just as a one-time thing, just as a one-time thing. Yeah, no, it's a good story. If you keep doing it over and over again, it would get kind of corny. But yeah, to kind of like come out and do this, like like I'm on like a biblical quest to come get you guys. Like it really kind of brings home how personal it is for him. Right. And, but, you know, kind of throwing that back in the faces of the Christian AF elite. Right. But also, you know, it, and the fact that he says, you know what, I, I am going to sin regardless, you know, <laughs> I thought that yeah. was like, that was a good angle to, to, yeah. to take, you know, this looks good. This is like a fun trio for the night. And uh, I, I really, I'm, I was looking forward to this main event after this. Uh, after that, we get a uh, another backstage vignette with Team Taz without Brian Cage, uh, with Taz saying that, uh, you know, uh, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage really need to get their shit together. And then... Uh, Noticeably absent. Noticeably, yes. Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs then challenges Adam Page for next week's singles match. So uh, so I guess that's going to happen on the like, Saturday the challenge Dynamite. challenge had been laid down. On the Saturday Dynamite. With that, we go to our second match of the evening. Darby Allen versus the men of the year, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, in a handicap match, in an ill-advised handicap match, in which uh, Steve Stinger has to stay home. Or I ba- like... Uh, or, or, or backstage, uh, because this was pre-taped. So. <laughs> probably hanging out somewhere backstage. Maybe he was just in catering. Maybe he was in that one... Maybe they fixed the trailer. Uh, you know, they put everything back together, and he's in that one trailer everybody does promos in. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Maybe they're just hanging out in there. I really like uh, the Men of the Year's new uh, like Titantron thingy, uh, where it's like a magazine spread. Yeah, kind of put it up like it's a yeah, I noticed shoot that. kind of yeah. deal. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, they're good heels. They're a good team. This works. This worked. Um, I, I do have to say though, the one of my favorite parts of this though, uh, the State Farm commercial during the picture in picture where they showed a a match between <laughs> Jurassic Express and the Addiction SCU. Uh, Kazarian Daniels. Um, yeah, uh, I thought that was. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube, and I'm planning on doing that. It, it looked like a pretty fun match, actually. Uh, one thing I will say about this, I, I, I like the zip tie thing that Darby tried. I thought that was that was pretty neat. It didn't work, of course, yes. and uh, Darby Allen could not overcome the uh, the double team. Ethan Page um, doing an ego's edge from the top, an avalanche Evo, ego's edge, you might say. Um, a, on a, yeah, sort of an avalanche. He got well. At least he got the setup from Darby while he was on the top rope. Right, and uh, you know, I, I was thinking, you know what, it, you know, Darby Allen. They made him look like a shithead. He couldn't overcome two guys. But you know what, I'm thinking about it. He's like, Stone Cold Steve Austin never could win a handicap match either. Yeah, you I know, mean, handicap matches are specifically designed for the babyface to not win and put themselves in more peril while still not being beaten fair and square. Like this is the you know the reason for these matches. It's a very old school like thing to, re- to go back to, but I like that we talked about you know AEW taking these you know very dated tropes in wrestling and and ref- kind of putting a a little fresh face on them. And this is a nice example of that. Darby Allen, despite his loss, you know, comes out looking great once again and quickly and uh, uh, studiously putting himself into a future where he's conversed about as one of the best wrestlers on the planet. I, this is a guy who's like still in his 20s and just is continuously like so reliably good match to match, week to week. There's basically nothing he can't do. And his only real weakness is like not being gigantic. Um, so, uh, we're going to discuss more about, uh, old wrestling tropes being updated and whether or not that's a good thing later on in this program. Certainly. Our third match of the evening, Orange Cassidy versus Cesar Bononi. Um, it with, with the wingmen constantly trying to make Orange Cassidy over. Um, you uh, know, it I, was first, first thing I have to ask you, what do you think of JD Drake as a wingman? I mean, He's definitely the odd man out of the group, but it. it what do you strange, think of the shirt they put? It, it strangely, <laughs> it strangely works. <laughs> in a weird strangely, sort of way, I guess is definitely the, the the word for it. I okay, so I don't feel like it's working for me now. I want it to. I would like it to work because I like JD Drake, and I think you know using him in like a form that you wouldn't expect, like that's fun. But I'm just not comfortable with it yet. I think we just need to see more, maybe, or we need some more development from it. Right. Um, overall, though, this was a, uh, a fun little match and I'm kind of enjoying this best friends versus the wingmen thing. Yeah, it'll be, it's a nice way to kind of reintegrate the best friends in their kind of full form now after Statlander's injuries and Trent's injuries and Orange Cassidy singles programs. So kind of bringing everyone back together, Chuck's little baseball slide to the thumbs up on the oh, ring. Oh, yes. Fantastic. I, I popped. Just now, chef's kids. Now, here, now, obviously, the the uh, the the end result, the end game of this has to be like a a four versus four match between the wingmen and the best friends. Now, we've also seen where AEW claims that they're not going to do intergender. So if they're going to be so if they are going to be cowards and not have Chris Statlander, you know, kick you know Peter Avalon's ass because I think we all know she could. Let's yeah. not forget there is an auxiliary best friend out there. Which other best friend? 
that oh, would be, that would be mi Mr. Romantic Azucar, one Rocky Romero from Rapongi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true. I would like to see Stack at the Intergender work in. I hope that. I mean, JD Drake has done a lot of intergender wrestling, which I've seen him do personally uh, in freelance and elsewhere. Uh, you know, there's there's people there that know intergender wrestling and can execute it quite well. I hope they come around and do it. Uh, you know, WWE has been ahead of them on this. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's no real reason to do it. But, it, you know, if they are going to be continue to be cowards about it, well, again, there there's an auxiliary best friend out there. So they, they could they could uh, they could call it on the horn. So on the horn uh we then go backstage uh for what was supposed to be an interview with jungle boy and alex marvez but instead we get interrupted by kenny omega don Callis, and michael nagazawa which of course turns into a uh a big kerfluffle yes this was the uh this was the first segment with the jungle boy interview right yes yeah yeah so uh this was kenny and jungle boy have a really good opposite energy for each other for this little feud and this is why it's working because you just want to love Jungle Boy. He's just handsome and he's likable and he's quiet. Uh, he's like of few words, but he makes his tries to make his words effective. Uh, you know, there's just nothing you you just want to like everything about him. And Kenny is just the most insufferable shithead on earth. Everything he does, every movement he makes, you're just like fuck you. Everything yeah. like he's just he's really perfected this like. Every little thing, like even like the little ticks he does, like just little movements, facial expressions, just the way he talks, uh, the way he even just looks at people is just all detestable. You know, I, I tell you what, we are six months into this and I am done with Don Callis, though. <laughs> OK, I, I am. It, OK, it, it's been six months, man. I'm done with it. You know, So it's go away for you now. For now, it, it, it now at this point it is. Yeah. What's different? Do you think now versus early Don Callis, which we both were in agreement was pretty good. I'll tell you what it is, is that I can only take Don. I, it's what it is. I can only take Don Callis in small doses. I think because okay. because he used to irritate the piss out of me too. You know, back in in ECW when he was you know the 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 guy with the from the network. You know, and oh, it yeah. was just like after a while, I was like, God, shut the fuck up. My God, you know, you know? can't forget about uh, can't forget about the Jackal. The Jackal. WWE. Well, yeah, well, I mean, he, he didn't really stick around for that, though, either, because remember, eventually, even the uh, what were they called? The oddities transitioned away from him, too, to I think yes, it when, was Sable, wasn't it? Uh, Luna, Luna Vachon. No, no, no. Sable became like a manager for them. Oh yeah, that's right. That was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the oddities it's, I was just thinking about the oddities the other day. It's so funny. You bring them up because like, it's so crazy that like the push they got, they got an original ICP song as like their entrance music, right? Yeah. Like they got like the recording original song. There were like these, uh, like a couple like John Tenta, like a guy who was like really a reliable hand, Luna Vachon, a legend, you know, they they really had a thing there like they like they really wanted to make them a thing. It didn't quite work out. But I mean, as a kid and, you know, as someone who looks back on like goofy ass wrestling, ironically, for fun, I love the oddities. Yeah. But again, I, the, uh, the other thing like, like I thought about the oddities was um, Cesar Bononi gives me Kirk in the interrogator vibe sometimes. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's some of it's by virtue of him being big and a lot of AEW guys not being very big. So like that contrast is very stark, like Orange Cassidy, not a big guy. Uh, Cesar Bononi, a big guy. And like that first time when he picked up Orange by his lapels, it was very Kurgan like to me. Right. But again, you know, what? I'm just again, we're, we're six months into it. I'm done with Don Callis. <laughs> 
all right, which I probably think is the point somewhat. I think they, that this is what this is what they want out of Kenny Omega's title run. They want the fandom at large to just be rabid for him to lose that belt. Right. Well, okay, but still, we're, we're going to get into this again later. So uh, just got to think about it. the next title change they do is going to be in front of a full crowd, and it's going to be a big moment. You know, they got to really, really hammer at home that you hate Kenny Omega and everything about him. Uh, we then get a backstage vignette with uh, Matt Hardy running down Christian Cage, and Christian Cage behind a cage, wanting a piece of wanting a piece of Matt Hardy. This was uh, yeah, Christian caged. Um, he, so that this was something my girlfriend turned over me, and she said, "One day we will watch a, we will watch a TV show with subtext, but it's not today." You know, because we've been we like we've been watching The Handmaid's Tale lately, and we've been watching Justified as well. I've been doing a rewatch. She is she's watching Justified for the first time, and she watches Dynamite with me. There is just no subtext in any of these programs. Is this where we bring out the uh, the uh, the Garth Marenghi quote that we yep. actually that we beat uh, AEW <laughs> Dynamite too? Yeah, we beat Excalibur. Hey, great minds too. think alike. That's all I attribute it to great minds thinking alike. <laughs> Excalibur just has good taste. Indeed. Uh, our fourth match of the evening, Cody Rhodes and Brock Anderson, two two generational uh, talents. Brock versus, Anderson. Versus uh, QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. Um, despite the baby blue gear that Brock Anderson was wearing, he was green as fucking grass. But you know what? That was part of the charm of it. I didn't expect him to be complete or like that. And, you know, it was part of the charm of learning who is Brock Anderson. He's got the look down. He definitely looks like his dad in the early 80s. He's dressed like his dad in the early 80s. He moves around like his dad in the early 80s. He's not like a great wrestler. There's one problem. This isn't the early 80s. (laughs) This is the early 2020s. I think it's really fun to have a wrestler like that. I think, like, if you would have, like, put him in black and white on, like, a fuzzy, like, uh, CRT TV... That would have like matched up perfectly. He like wrestled the style of it, like and having you know some of those uh, uh, edges not be polished, kind of lent him to that wrestling style, right? Because things back in the day didn't look as like polished and uh, uh, you know intentional as they do now. That's no, of, like, no, I that's think, true. I think it's one of the regressions of wrestling. Like the athleticism and the execution getting better makes things look uh, you know more scripted and and less quote unquote real. Uh, so I think that's part of the charm of it. Uh, one, I have to give Jr. some credit here when uh, it was mentioned that QT insists on being called QT Marshall. I really like Jim Ross going. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got so I, I I got a beef with Jr. later on. So it's pretty easy to beef with Jr. at this well, point. But I, that, I, well, I, I've got a big right one back. later. Um, anyway. Uh, Brock Arnson does get the win uh, with a jackknife hold on Aaron Solo. Uh, so, you know, a basic finisher for, you know, let's face it, a basic wrestler. Right, but, you know, he's young. He's got a lot to learn, and he gets to do it, uh, you know, with some of the best wrestlers in the world around him. So I'm sure the future is probably pretty good for Brock Arnson. And I do like throwback-style wrestlers. You know, the FTR from all the way back as their days as the mechanics in NXT, I always thought there was something there with guys who can, you know, modernize that classic wrestling style. And seeing more guys out there trying to do it is uh, is pretty cool. So, you know, you know I, all the 
So, so riddle me this. Do you think that maybe down the line after the, the, the pinnacle falls apart and, and stuff, if they want to do like a, a, a Cody Rhodes heel turn, which, you know, he never should have been the baby, a baby face to begin with. Um, can you see like kind of an old school type or, 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 or legacy type uh, unit being formed with Cody Brock and now um, FTR with Arn and, and Tully in the background? Oh, if they do like nepotism horsemen, they'll be like one of the most hated heel stables in all of AEW. It would be it, they fucking print money. Yeah, they would <laughs> absolutely print money. <laughs> the, the 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 whore horsemen of the. Apocalypse. Oh man, they would, people would hate it so much that like if you put the right like if you put like a Kingston and Mox led faction or something like a, a, against them or something, just. Money, Dark Order, holy shit! Could you oh imagine? Goodness, Could you imagine like an Adam Page led Dark Order against like the Nepotism Horsemen. Oh my god! Well, you know what? We're not going to, uh, you know, fantasy booking. Put a pin in that, man, because if we end up being right about that, holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we got the we got the audio to prove. Oh yeah. Uh, we then get a uh, a promo with uh, Jake Roberts talking about Lance Archer that really just kind of seemed like a cry for help to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was weird. They did it in like a, a some sort of dilapidated building. Jake was very sweaty, uh, and and Lance Archer could not keep himself still. The whole thing is weird. This is getting weird. Um, I, I don't know what we're doing or kind of where we're going with this. I kind of think we should start getting to uh, Lance Archer maybe uh, uh, turning on Jake and kind of paving his own path. I don't really think he needs Jake anymore. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're over a year. We're actually a year and three months into this now, and it's it just hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah, I kind of think it's about run its course. Like, we talked about this from the very beginning, that this is probably like a few months long thing where Lance turns on Jake, and we've really stretched it far. I think we're about getting there. Um I, I don't know why. Maybe we're holding it back because we're waiting for like the right, you know, event or right feud or something for it. But uh, yeah, man, I, it, all the best to Jake and everything. But this this whole shit's weird now. We then get a. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it anymore because like it's just Jake rambling. Okay, it's kind of like he's at that kind of point where like that late Wyatt family in WWE where they didn't really know what they were doing with Bray Wyatt, so they just had him go out there and ramble. Right. Like <laughs> despite. Like Bray Wyatt being a talented guy and like knowing what he's doing, it just didn't make any sense, and no one gave a shit. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I think I'm with you because you know I wasn't watching WWE. So we then go to a taped interview between uh, Jim Ross and one Andrade El Idolo y Super Estrella, <laughs> and uh, they didn't mention the Triple Mania feud at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. They're not getting. They're not there yet. Uh, Triple Mania, what? About two months away. Well, provisionally, they haven't officially officially announced Triple Mania yet. I think they're waiting to see if Mexico City will will stay green so that they can right. actually have fans at Triple Mania this year. But the the target is mid August, right? Uh, mid to late August, yeah, is, right. is, is okay. the target. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I guess we can wait. They could probably they could probably wait another thirty days before they start hyping it. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. I mean, considering that is one of the the belts that. Kenny Omega has collected, although I am still a little irritated that that Andrade um, jumped the line ahead of uh, Ijo Del Vikingo for that match because uh, I mean Omega even called out Ijo Del Vikingo. 
you got to strike while the iron's hot, though. Right, I get that. But, I mean, let's face it. I, I think is going to have two matches in AAA. He's probably not going to win both of them. Exactly. So you, you don't want to wait for it. You want yeah, to just he, get it over. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna have the match with Omega, and then you know that at some point they're going to have to do a match with Psycho Clown. Yeah, and that'll be like something they don't have to. It doesn't have to be for a title. I expect Kenny to retain the AAA belt over Andrade because I don't think they want to have Andrade beat Kenny in the other promotion unless they're planning on putting Andrade into an AEW title angle right afterwards. Uh, so I guess we'll see how that goes. But it, Andrade did say in this uh, in this interview that his goals are our titles. It sounds like the TNT belt might be his first target. Um, you know, I'm excited to see him get in the ring and on Dynamite. We then go backstage with uh, Adam Page and the entire damn Dark Order, except for, you know, Anna Jay, sadly, because uh, she, she's getting I mean, look, Johnny's Johnny's getting back quick. Trent's getting back quick. You know, the strength and conditioning programs and, and the, the physical fitness side of AEW got to uh, give credit to them. They've been phenomenal. But can um, you people? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say people coming from the Indies over to AEW are just all get into tremendous shape. Chris Statlander, do you notice? Uh, what great shape she's in coming off the injury. She looks like the best shape I've ever seen her. And she yeah, looks great. She, she um, has actually. Orange Cassidy, MJF. MJF got fucking huge after coming to AEW. Like a lot, like a lot of wrestlers uh, really have benefited. So I expect Anna Jay to be no different. And I expect her to come back really strong. Johnny look, is looking huge after his injury. Yeah, and, and can we talk again how just the, the entire dynamic of the Dark Order has shifted since Adam Page and my dogs, yeah, it's keep, fun. my dogs are going bananas today. I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, mine were uh, mine were pretty animated this morning as yeah, well. They're, 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 they are just they're wilding out today. Uh, they want they want to bring back the dog kennel match. <laughs> uh, the entire dynamic of the Dark Order has changed so much because I mean just because Adam Page putting over John Silver and Evil Uno, and, I mean and. I know he's a completely different character than Brody Lee. Brody Lee, the character, never would have done that on screen. No. And now no, no. he's Brody like... Lee, the character, would just be mean and evil and berate everybody and uh, throw papers at them. Right. And, you know, it's like, it's like what, what? somehow the Dark Order have become the most wholesome unit in all of professional wrestling. <laughs> I mean, you know, a group of people organically brought together, um, you know, and then bonded through tragedy is something that people can identify with uh, really strongly and something that, you know, it, it really translates to to people in real life. You know, the trauma has uh, uh, bonded people, I think all of us in, in different ways throughout our relationships in our life. And it's something that, you know, we love to see, I think, manifested and something that is really heartwarming. And, you know, and when we look at the Dark Order and we look at, you know, their past, present, and even future, it's really easy to get melancholy and get sad about, you know, the loss of Brody Lee, but to see what these guys are doing together and what they've made of it since Brody's passing is genuinely uplifting and heartwarming. And it's just, it's something that's so cool uh, to, to see get sustained. I, uh, side note, listened to Stu Grayson and Evil Uno on Chris Jericho's podcast last week. And they spoke about their relationship with Brody quite a bit and how Evil Uno had known him a long time. Uh, you know, amongst other things in their journey through independent wrestling to AEW, it was very interesting. I highly recommend uh, any wrestling fan to listen to it. I thought they were, they had a lot to say. I haven't heard a lot from them from a personal side. I didn't know how French Canadian Stu Grayson was even. <laughs> He is a very French-Canadian man. Uh, uh, but also, did you notice that uh, we, we have the seeds being sown now for Adam Page challenging Kenny Omega? They're, they're, they're going back to that. 
Oh yeah, and then you know that's something that we can we definitely know is going to happen. It's nice that they're you know keeping the seeds planted for the future of the AEW Championship, uh, despite Kenny currently being focused on Jungle Boy. But yeah, well, I mean Hoffman Stace is coming, so it sure is. Uh, our fifth match of the evening: uh, Julia Hart with your beautiful baby boy and his idiot cousin uh, versus. Penelope Ford, and of course... The super bad girl, back on Wednesdays. And of course, or, or Fridays in this case. Um, it's, still, it's, it's, <laughs> it's Wednesday somewhere. That's the new Jimmy Buffett song. <laughs> it's Wednesday at 8 o'clock somewhere. You know, Jimmy Buffett... I, I, you know, everybody gloms on to Jimmy Buffett, you know, talking about... You know, for Margaritaville and Cheeseburger in Paradise. And, and, of course, everybody misunderstands those songs. <laughs> Of course. Yeah. Look, I lived in Key West for about half a year, so like I've had enough Jimmy Buffett for an entire lifetime. Well, I mean, right, but I mean, he was a kind of a halfway decent country western artist before uh, before all that. Oh yeah, and like he, you know, he remade those songs with Alan Jackson and stuff. Which uh, Alan Jackson? Jeez. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, of course, this is the match that does not get picture in picture. It just goes straight to fucking commercial. Montgomery because, Gentry because... probably made part of the reason why the inner circle couldn't come in on helicopters, though. So wait, you say again? Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris Jericho and the inner circle mentioned on there. They did a podcast episode recapping, you know, the, uh, uh, the stadium stampede stuff. Uh-huh. And they talked about one of the original ideas for their entrance was to come in on a helicopter and rappel off a helicopter mm-hmm. right onto the field. Uh, but couldn't do it because of insurance reasons and because of Tony Khan's reluctance to put people in helicopters due to like the Kobe Bryant type stuff, which I would also imagine they had to have thought about uh, uh, Troy Gentry's uh, unfortunate helicopter ride as well. Who is Troy Gentry? From Montgomery Gentry. He died in a helicopter crash in New Jersey a few years ago. Oh, well, I mean, Steve Ray Vaughn. I'm still old enough to remember Steve Ray Vaughn. That happened at at Alpine Valley in Wisconsin. So, yeah. Helicopters have killed more rich people than, like, online leftists that tweet guillotines could ever imagine to. Well, how about, um, oh, yeah, the the owner of Leicester City died died in a helicopter crash at at the at the King Power Stadium, like he was leaving yeah. his own stadium, and the helicopter went down. Yeah, rich people just like really, really love dying in helicopters. It's like one of their oh, favorite Jesus things to do. Christ. It seems like a great hobby of like the the wealthy. Good. Lord. And you know what? I say, knock yourself out. Anyway, if this... you have really dollars and you love helicopters, keep flying them. You know what? This match wasn't great. Mm-mm. I didn't. I no, didn't but you um, Penelope, on the other hand is still just as good and continues to improve and I think should be like a huge part of the women's division at some point. Yeah, Julia's not quite there yet. I think she's like one of their prized students. And one of the things about this particular AEW episode that's nice was uh, it's a lot like some of the ones they've done. I think they sprinkle these in, uh, I'd say every month or two, that really highlight, you know, the future, the the young talent, the next generation uh, of, you know, AEW homegrown talent or the first generation of AEW homegrown talent, I should say. Right. Um, you know, we get the fact kind of people, we get Griff and we get Julia Hart. Um, we get Brock Anderson. Uh, we get a lot of, we get glimpses at the future. So that's uh, cool. And like, they'll be fulfilling their promise of like giving these people the time to work on television. You know, before it does get the win over Julia Hart, which uh, she, re- re- she refuses to release that mood lock on, uh, on Julia Hart that, uh, you know, brings, uh, you know, the rest of the varsity blondes to, you know, get, get, Penelope off of Julia Hart, which then brings out Miro. Now, 
Miro out here saying, you know, hey, I'm sorry that that yeah, that Kip's injured. It's like, um, yeah, I wonder how he got that way. <laughs> he's just, you know, he's a, he's the best man and he's out for redemption. Yeah, he's the best uh, boy. Yeah, th- that's a lot of uh, there's a lot of creepy subtext in, in this angle. It's the the whole thing is definitely super weird, and I'm uh, a little disappointed we came back to it. And I don't think there's any reason to revisit it. Yeah, I, but, I don't think. But now it looks like uh, both your 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 beautiful baby boy and his idiot cousin are probably going to get murdered by by Miro here coming up. Sounds like it. Um, but at least the sacrifice uh, uh, was that next week. Is that going to be Saturday night or is that the first Wednesday night on June thirtieth? Uh, Brian Pillman will be getting a TNT title shot. Yeah, I think that's the Wednesday show. Which holy shit, we're they're gonna be back on Wednesdays. We're going back to Wednesdays. It, 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 in a couple of weeks, well, at least yeah. a week and a half. Four, yeah, so one day we'll be back uh, on a Wednesday podcast. This will continue, or once again, be an instant recap podcast. Yes, inshallah. Indeed. Uh, we then go backstage with uh, Tony Schiavone, uh, Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, and. Uh, Rebel, not Reba. And we're interrupted by Vicky Guerrero, who sets up a tag match <laughs> between Britain Rebel and Nyla Rose and Vicky. And Vicky. Uh, <laughs> this was a, okay. an interesting surprise. I did not expect Vicky to say herself. So obviously Reba and Vicky are going to do the uh, the comedy shit, the, the goofy shit, heavy lifting, uh, to keep Nyla and Britt from having like a full-on singles face-off. But a way to kind of build them as an angle again, um, you know, getting back to it sounds like Britt's first AEW title defense uh, or major one is going to be against Nyla at some point here. So it would seem we then get a uh, pretty actually well put together vignette between Santana Ortiz and FTR. I loved this. Probably my favorite part of the show, actually. Uh, God, Santana is just really hitting, doing his best work, man. And, he, you know, it's one of those guys. Uh, like Ethan Page, who you're just really happy to see get opportunities like this uh, after just grinding for so long, you know, and and working so hard to get there and really getting to show off that he's a true top talent. Uh, it's great. Great stuff. Uh, we then get a little video announcement about the show coming up. I think they said it was in September at the Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens. Yeah. Which we didn't get a chance to talk to Harry about, uh, you know, that's the Harry being a New York guy. Um, we, uh, that's really interesting. Arthur Ashe Stadium, I think, is going to be a really cool place for uh, for a wrestling program. That's that's going to be something different. I love that venue. I love those like open roof dome venues like that. Oh yeah, uh, I think they look really cool, and I think a wrestling ring in there. I'm really excited to see uh, how AEW works uh, set design within that building. The whole thing's really interesting. Uh, ticket sales, obviously. Yep. Yeah, ticket. Yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, when are they? When is that going on sale? Is it or is it on sale now? I don't think it's on sale now. The show is September twenty second, so I expect that would be on sale probably sometime in July or August. Right. Uh, we then go to Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling, and they have endorsements in yeah. for hotels in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting. Um. I... This was the first time I felt like maybe they ch- they cheapened Jade Cargill by doing it this way. And I don't know if maybe we're setting the groundwork for, like, Mark Sterling's failures leading to Jade Cargill moving on, maybe. But this feels like it wasn't, like, as big a—I don't know, man. Like, we should be treating Jade Cargill like a slightly bigger deal than this. Yeah, you should be, but— 
We know how that like is. It, this, was, this was the first time it felt a little, like, corny and carny. I mean, we knew corny and carny was going to happen with Smart Mark Sterling, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but, I, you know, it was th- this was my probably my least favorite Jade Cargill segment to date. Let's put it that way. Still love her. Still, still the absolute truth. You know, they're not all going to be perfect. Uh, so whatever. Yeah, that, 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 and that much is true. Uh, we then get, go to our main event of the evening in which uh, Joker, El Cerro Miedo, uh, Eddie Kingston in the full Holy Demon Army tribute gear and Frankie Kazarian versus uh, Executive Vice President Matt Jackson uh, and Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. Um... Fun match, but again, but again, I, I, I am so tired of the NWO style fuck finishes that require the baby faces to be absolute dipshits to work. Yeah, I guess that is true. I mean, you know, cheat to win, obviously, that's what you got to do, and that's fine. But yeah, uh, uh, you'd think that, you know, three of, like, these experienced, incredible veterans and guys, especially one of whom is literally regarded as possibly the best wrestler on the planet, would, like, know better than to get sprayed in the face by some dipshit. Yeah, I mean... Or, it- like, or like, a, if or, or not being, like, weary that Nick Jackson's going to be around because he's not ringside already. Right, like, I mean... And they've on. done that before. They've had him... Sc- like, they've done angles where, like, that stuff stuff is scouted out yeah so like continuity wise it's like a regression almost well right and again i mean we, we've all been there we, we we've all been there when there's like certain episodes of tv shows where the only way that the, the plot can work is if everybody is if all the, the the main characters that we know from this show are stupid yeah. Oh yeah, and that's, that's like I'm, like I said, I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale and like everything after season one. The Handmaid's Tale is a lot like Game of Thrones in that once they didn't have any more source material, they just eh, the writing was not very good. Yeah, right. So I mean, right. Well, that's what this has turned into. It, it, it's just, and you know, we're, we're talking about modernizing, you know, wrestling tropes. You know, the baby faces used to be able to outsmart the heels sometimes, you know? <laughs> sometimes. But I guess, hey, it's just, you have to just go, this wasn't one of those times. But, you know, again, I mean, it's just another example of how wrestling has never gotten beyond, you know, the late 90s. It's never gotten beyond the Attitude Area. It's never gotten beyond the NWO. I don't know and, if that's true. And to, to me, it is. But, you know, I also take a little different critical view sometimes right i know you know i've talked i've talked about this pretty extensively like the wwe-ification of the wrestler fans mind and perception and wrestling itself right being so deeply affected by generations of you know the mcmahon dominance we're still finding our way out of that and aew if you know long successful long term will be a big part of that shift but it's not going to be overnight and it's been such a short period of time it's a years long and probably generations long process and probably not something if we are to break out of that probably not something we'll have we'll see until like the next crop of wrestlers comes up and that's you know something we that takes decades right but at the same time let, let's not forget too you know all, all- all of these dudes, you know, in the in the super elite, as they're now called, were, were part of a stable that, though it wasn't like this to begin with, it quickly became cosplay for the you know, direct cosplay of the NWO and DX, you know, in, in the Bullet yeah, Club. Absolutely. And 
but you know, at the time, I think you know, to pop indie crowds and do stuff like it was for fun, and they got the reactions they were looking for. Now, doing that would probably earn you a lot of disdain from the AEW crowd, which like, that's something that they're looking for. I tweeted this on from the BGTD account last night that like one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, about being a heel is to embody a person that that you as a fan either want to beat up or see get beat up, right? That's like the most important part of being like a classic heel and like why wrestling worked in the first place. Right. Because you wanted to see the bad guy lose. The Jackson brothers and, you know, Matt last night very much embody that spirit. Right. Just it, like, it, much like we talked about Kenny Omega earlier in the show, right? They are just people you want to see get the shit kicked out of them. Right. And, and I get that. And, and you want, in, in that, respect they are succeeding but they're still falling back on the bullet club you know is, is the problem it, it, that's true too, it, but like it, the even if club... they're not even if they're not still even if they're not, they're not doing the two suites anymore and they, they can't even it, it looks like i guess new japan clamped down on them actually saying bullet club now because they haven't said it in months um yeah, they haven't that's interesting um but they uh you know it, it just seems like they're, they're still going back on that Right, but I guess that, that kind of that that kind of brings it full circle in that the Bullet Club is probably going to have that kind of lasting influence on wrestling's landscape that NWO and DX did. It's just going to be that way. Like we're going to see Bullet Club T-shirts for the next twenty fucking years. You know, I, I, I'm still hoping that you know it, with this forbidden door being open, I, I'm still hoping that maybe Jay and Kent are getting a little tired of this bullshit. <laughs> I they pro I would assume that the real Bullet Club is going to show up in AEW at some point, or or, or, or even or even Tonga because you know of course he is a co-founder of the group. Well, that's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying as Tama Tonga and Tangaloa specifically, I expect to show up in AEW to take on the Bucks at some point. They they got to do it. They have to do it. They have to pull that trigger. Yeah, I mean, I've, they know I've... they do, and they're waiting, and uh, they should be waiting. They should do it in front of a full crowd, um, and they should. They might not even do that stateside. Doing that in Japan might be the way to go. I don't know. We'll see, but... Uh, I mean, talk about... The the real Bullet Club versus the Elite might be a really great way to put an AEW show on in, in Japan at some point. Of course, the win comes. Uh, Nick Jackson sprays Pentel Saramiedo, uh, which leads to a... Uh, they incorrectly called it a gun stun. It wasn't a gun. It looked more like a neck breaker to me. But yeah, yeah. It, it, that was not a gun stun, but uh, they, they call it as such, and Carl Anderson gets the win. And uh, with that, we fade out. Oh, there is something I have to I have to call out Jim Ross for. What, what, call him what, out. What, what was that? Penta say blah blah blah. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> Wait, what? I, I missed this. Oh, like uh, Penta did something, and Jim Ross says Penta say like what? It's not even what I think he was trying to like mock the Alex Abrahantes thing. That's not even how Alex does it. No. It, it, and, and, and it's so racist because it, it, it's mocking how, you know, people used to say how Asians talked. Yeah, well, you know, you know Jim, Jim Ross, probably a little bit racist still. Like, uh, even, yeah. despite, even despite the, the, the progress he seems to have made in a, in a lot of areas and a lot of things as a person. You know, here's the thing about wrestling guys, despite like even them being like old school or whatever. You know, a lot of them at least are willing to be tolerant enough to like work within the times and things, but you're never going to get rid of it with some of these old guys. It's just never going to happen. So, with that, we close out episode 83 of AEW Dynamite.
Uh, we would like to thank Harry Mack for coming on to the show today. Yeah, that was fun as hell. It was really nice talking to Harry in podcast form again. Uh, he is a, a great guy and a uh, great MMA mind analyst and uh, handicapper. So if you need some uh, some sports picks, you check out the Bookie's Basement. You follow Harry or Bookie's Basement or both on Twitter. Uh, you'll get the great picks. You'll get some great MMA news analysis. Harry uh, gets on to the press conferences, stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, a lot, a lot of good stuff. And then hopefully Harry and I were just talking. We're going to make some more content soon in some form or fashion. So look out for uh, Harry and I to collaborate again. So, of course, next week's episode will be coming to you on a Sunday because Ooh, <laughs> we Sunday. have a Saturday. Sunday, Sunday. Great Lake Strikeaway, Union Grove, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> because, of course, uh, they're, they're running Dynamite on a Saturday. And uh, what was it? It's going to be at 7 my time, at Chicago time, right? Yeah, yeah, 8 Eastern on Saturday night. So, okay, well, I'll have to set my calendar for that one so I can remember this. Uh, so, anyway, I want to go watch uh, Portugal and Germany. So, Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. Yes, follow me on Twitter at CoolStepUncleTwitch.tv slash ThickFlare. Definitely continue to check out Harry and the Bookie's Basement stuff. And that is what I got. This podcast, of course, you got to follow us at BGTD Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the Ian Style on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel. Strong Style Story returned last Sunday. So go ahead and listen to that. As uh, It was episode 75 of that show. So, uh, wow, that's, uh, we, we, we're, we're racking it up, up the numbers there. And uh, Busting Balls, uh, we may do an episode tomorrow. We may not. I haven't decided yet. So we'll see. We'll see. But I am gonna go. I am gonna go watch some Euro football. So, uh, Paul, any last words? Time to get back in the cube. We'll see you next week.